So today I'm talking with members of UChicago Citizen Bulletin, David Wyman, Alex Shura, John Luca Young, and Zarek Drosa. Thank you all for coming into the Maroon Weekly. Thanks. First of all, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, could you explain what the Citizen Bulletin is? Sure. So the Citizen Bulletin is a weekly publication run by UChicago students that seeks to inform the student body about state, local, and national politics by reporting on the actions of elected officials. So what elections are coming up in general for Illinois on March 20th? Well, we've got the primary elections, um, and we've got offices at the state level and at the county level. Specifically, we've got the governor's office that's up for election. We've got the Cook County Assessor and the Cook County Board of Commissioners as well. So these are the primaries before our November 2018 uh, general elections, right? That's right. Now before we get on to the, the races within Illinois, could you tell me a little bit about what issues you think will be the biggest factor as voters go into the polls on March 20th, especially the issues that you think might affect students or residents near the university? Well, I'd say that a big issue is going to be um, the budgetary and the fiscal issues. Uh, as you may or may not know, Illinois went three years without ha having a budget pass, which is a record. Um, we had our, our credit downgrade, and we now have like the lowest credit rating in the country. Another, another issue related to, to budget is um, taxes. How are taxes done in Illinois, particularly the income tax? Right. Well, in the state of Illinois, there's a flat rate income tax, which is sort of uncommon around the United States. And almost, I think, every single, every single candidate in the Democratic primary for governor has said that they want to change that and make it a progressive tax because there's a lot of tax fatigue in the state and even more so in the city of Chicago. And they would want to um, sort of lower the property tax rates because we also have like some of the highest median property tax rates in the country. And so they'd want to lower the property tax rates and shift more of the tax burden onto a progressive income tax system. What would that progressive income tax look like? Uh, How is that different from a flat tax? Well, with a flat tax, everybody pays the same percentage rate. So like a minimum wage worker would pay the same amount as a billionaire in terms of the percentage of their income. And to a lot of people, that doesn't make any sense and that the people who earn more money should pay a higher rate. You mentioned that there's a lot of tax fatigue in Illinois. If Illinois ushers in a graduated or a progressive income tax, aren't there concerns that some people who feel like they're already fatigued by taxes too much um, might even see their taxes increase even more? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, the wealthiest people will definitely see their taxes go up, and so I'm sure they're against a progressive mm -hmm. income tax. So another tax that we talked about in our sixth episode of the Maroon Weekly was the soda tax. Uh, we talked with you, David, about that. So I don't want to cover it too deeply since we already touched on it, but could you maybe talk about how the soda tax may affect the upcoming elections in Cook County? It was deeply, deeply unpopular. It was a deeply unpopular tax. There was a poll that I saw saying about three-quarters of Cook County voters saying that they were being more likely to vote against Tony Preckwinkle as a result of her proposing that tax. Who is Tony Preckwinkle? Tony Preckwinkle is the president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners, and she was the one who proposed the soda tax. Alex has done a lot of research on that. I don't know if you want yeah, to... Yeah, I was going to say um, that the soda tax is probably the biggest issue in that race and in the Cook County Board of Commissioners race. Pretty much all the commissioners from the 3rd District are very much opposed to the soda tax. And uh, Bob Fioretti, who's the primary opponent to um, Tony Preckwinkle, is also running very much on a platform of she promised no new taxes. This is the exact kind of new tax we were hoping to avoid. Um, so it's a very contentious issue, and even though it's been repealed, it's still one that's going to dominate um, you know, the narratives around these uh, primaries. 
So if I understand this correctly, mm-hmm. Tony Preckwinkle, the president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners, proposed the soda tax last year? In November 2016. November of 2016. And it has already been repealed. And is it already been taken off the books? Yeah, it has. It was uh, repealed in October of 2017, and it stopped being in effect December 1st. However, the beverage industry created a political action committee, and they donated, I think, the maximum legal uh, limit to that political action committee. And the political action committee announced that they are going to fund challengers to all the commissioners who voted for the tax. explain what the Cook County Board of Commissioners is? Yeah, sure. So um, what this board does is they broadly manage Cook County affairs and appropriate funds for county operations. So what that means in practice is they decide what kinds of taxes they're going to be levying on the county, and they, they decide how to use the money that they raise from those taxes for various programs um, across the county. So are they sort of like a, a legislative branch of the Cook County government? They are, definitely. There's um, 17 commissioners and then the board president, Tony Preckwinkle. Um, and they function very much in a legislative capacity. You know, They pass resolutions um, and they vote. So what is Bob Fioretti, the challenger to Preckwinkle, using as issues against Preckwinkle aside from the soda tax? So what he's looking at is um, funding and how money is spent. And so one of the contentions that he has is that the Cook County Board is spending too much on operating costs. Um, When he looks at other um, municipal agencies that kind of operate in a similar fashion, the Cook County Board spends more on staff, on its building maintenance, on a variety of sort of operating costs um, that Bob Fioretti believes are wasteful. So now specifically about the commissioner who represents the district that High Park is in, uh, who's the current third district Cook County commissioner? So the incumbent is um, Jerry, the Iceman Butler. Um, He's the 30-year incumbent. He's actually retiring this year, so it's going to be a wide-open Democratic primary. Um, He's a really interesting character, um, a huge figure in the Chicago jazz scene, a member of the National Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So a very important and interesting politician. But now that he's stepping aside, um, there's a very large field of challengers coming up. Are we seeing candidates from both the Democrat and the Republican side looking to fill this seat? Absolutely not. This is a very strongly uh, Democratic district, and when we're looking at the people who have a chance of winning and the people who are running, it's pretty much exclusively on the Democratic side. So who are some of the candidates uh, that might have a chance at filling this seat? Yeah, so it's a little bit hard to predict who are going to be the front runners. It's difficult to find polling data, and it's hard to find some of the financial contributions. That said, what we can look to are sort of the past political experience of some of these figures. So one candidate is going to be Joshua Gray, He's currently the Director of Community Engagement and Advocacy for the Chicago Education Reform Organization. He's worked with the Juvenile Temporary Detention Center. He was on the Obama campaign. He's a DNC canvasser. Um, He has a lot of political experience and a lot of community activism. We can also look at Patricia Horton. She's interested in, you know, metropolitan water reclamation and a number of other city boards. And then, Finally, um, Sharice Williams is currently the Deputy Chief of Staff for the Illinois Treasurer, Michael Frerichs. So all three of those figures have considerable political experience, um, and this might give them an edge in the primary. So what kind of issues are the candidates in this race talking about as they go into the primary? Um, Taxes are a huge issue here. Almost everyone feels the taxes are too high, and even if they think that the taxes are, are somewhat justified, they don't feel like they're seeing 
um, the benefits of paying those taxes. So one of the biggest issues here is in particular property taxes. And a lot of the candidates have a very firmly anti-property tax position, um, primarily that they want to freeze property taxes. So no increases until there's some kind of reform in the system of assessment. I will point out, though, that Cook County has not raised its property taxes in around 20 years. And it's actually, like, the city and the state that have been raising their property taxes. And it's a really interesting misconception that, like, a lot of people on the ground, as you rightly said, sort of see their taxes going up and aren't really paying attention to which level of government is raising them. And so people sometimes tend to conflate, like, oh, the city, the state, somebody's raising my taxes. Right. Kind of interesting. And, and it is interesting. I think a lot of these candidates are making these sorts of promises and they're saying that we're going to stop this. But the extent to which they're going to have that power as members of the Cook County Board is somewhat debatable. So these candidates are promising to stop the increase of property tax, mm. even though they represent maybe the one government body that hasn't been raising taxes on their residents. Yes, this is, this is possible, yeah. Well, that actually is a good transition into another race that we want to take a look at in Cook County, the Cook County Assessor. John Luca, what is the role of an assessor? So what the Cook County Assessor does is sets uh, values to the 1.8 million parcels of property within Cook County. So that value, the value on each property directly determines how much property tax the owner of the property will have to pay. So this race has been garnering a lot of attention for what seems to be a fairly bureaucratic office. Why is that the case? So the reason for that is that the current or the incumbent uh, assessor, Joe Berrios, has had a lot of controversy recently. Uh, so he has been investigated multiple times for corruption, bribery, and nepotism. But currently what he's been accused of is setting disproportionately low property value for wealthy people and disproportionately high property value for low-income people. So when the Cook County assessor creates a valuation of your property, is that the last step in the process? No, each person can submit an appeal to the assessor's office, which can, which as Joe Barrios likes to point out, can be done without a lawyer, except it is very, it's actually pretty difficult to do and very bureaucratic, so most successful appeals do require a lawyer. And another thing which Barrios has been criticized for is that the majority of his campaign contributions come from groups funded by property tax appeals lawyers, who of course are the people who directly work with his office. So basically, by creating such a need for so many appeals in the property tax assessment system, Berrios is making jobs for lawyers in Cook County, and in return, they seem to be donating to Berrios' campaign. Yeah, exactly. So who's the challenger against Berrios in this election? Yeah, so there are two. The frontrunner currently, Fritz Kagey, and then there's also Andrea Rayla, who, however, Andrea Rayla whose name is on the ballot, is actually no longer eligible to be elected because the courts have ruled that a few thousand of her signatures are invalid. But it's just, it's too late to take her name off the ballot, so her name's still on the ballot. So voters could potentially go into the booth and check her name off, but those votes won't be counted. Yeah, they just get thrown out. In uh, polling places, they say they're going to hand out sheets of paper explaining that any votes for Andrea Rayla will be thrown out and not counted. Can you tell me a little bit more about Fritz Kagey? Yeah, sure. So he, um, he's a progressive Democrat, and his main sort of campaign or platform is just anti-Barrios. So he state, says that if he were to be elected, he would not take contributions from any groups which he would do business with, that he would increase transfers, meaning that he would make contribution data accessible, and he'd also make public how he calculates the value for each property, which is something that Barrios does not do. 
Now, most students at the university don't own property in Illinois, at least I, I know I don't. How then will the results of this race affect students even if they don't pay property taxes? Well, I mean, it would directly affect how much students have to pay in rent because, number one, the school housing prices could go up because right. the school does own the property for the dorms. And any students who move off campus or anywhere in Cook County would then, their rent would be directly subject to changes in property tax and property valuations. Now let's turn from Cook County elections to the statewide Illinois elections, specifically the governor's race. Zarek, how are incumbent Governor Rauner's chances at re-election? So I think uh, going in, uh, they're, they're not bad. He certainly has had, one could say, an unpopular tenure. Um, but at the same time, the the state is very politically divided, right? So just kind of an overview of Illinois politics is Chicago is very liberal, but it's also, you know, the largest population center. The rest of the state is very red, right? Um, and so he has a strong base in those communities that could definitely uh, kind of carry him. Has he had any major accomplishments in his tenure that uh, he's using in this campaign? Sure. So I think, you know, one thing is... Uh, you could probably claim pooling, the, trying to pull the state out of the budget crisis uh, might be the first uh, point he would go to. That is certainly one of the areas that he, I think, is, could also be seen as most unpopular for. Is kind of Some people could view him as being responsible for the budget crisis that put the state into you know, a really uh, bad place for about a period of three years. Um, but he's also, uh, I think, something interesting about Rounder's tenure is that while he's focused on you know, trying to kind of very be fiscally conservative, he's also been kind of taking a very a social... Uh, liberal stance on certain issues that trying to make him kind of a bit more uh, centrist in a way, um, perhaps to kind of make him more uh, palatable to the voters in Chicago. Um, so some of those uh, accomplishments or uh, kind of decisions include uh, he uh, upkept uh, legislation on abortion. So uh, SB 1564 was a law that uh, required doctors and pregnancy centers that refused people from uh, abortions for religious reasons, that they had to refer them to other places that did, that angered conservatives. There were other uh, social issues. Also on immigration, um, so Rauner uh, signed a bill into law that prevented local police authorities from arresting illegal aliens through their immigration status. Right, And so for uh, people in Chicago, those are like great things that they wouldn't necessarily expect from Republicans governor. Um, so that might be kind of a sign that he's trying to position himself in a political center to kind of set him up well for the, the next race. And what are some of the topics that he's being attacked on from his opposition? Sure. Uh, so I think uh, for the, definitely the primary one is the budget. Um, that's kind of the easiest place that people go to um, for kind of being, uh, you know, refusing to kind of work with the uh, legislator and being very stalwart about uh, being fiscally conservative and uh, bringing down uh, the deficit that ended up being in a political gridlock that kind of locked the state into a budget crisis. Um, so I think that's definitely like the first place uh, that people point. There's also some very recent kind of controversies over uh, very kind of particular instances. So this includes the Quincy Veterans Home case uh, in which uh, a veterans home uh, in Quincy, Illinois, uh, suffered a Legionnaire's outbreak, which is a bacterial disease that uh, is, is a chronic infection and has uh, led to the deaths of uh, several veterans in that home. And people blame the administration for not kind of looking to, into the case earlier because there was an investigation done by Chicago newspapers that showed that the administration had received complaints, knew about the outbreak, but didn't kind of take the appropriate action to handle it. So that's like kind of one of the uh, latest hot-button issues that people are really attacking Rauner for. So you mentioned Jeannie Ives, who is challenging Rauner in this race. Could you tell me a little bit more about her? Sure. 
Um, so she's a state representative for uh, you know in Springfield. She uh, is Republican, challenging Rauner, sort of uh, coming from the right, um, which is odd because you know Rauner is an incumbent governor. It's very unusual that you know a Republican will challenge an, an incumbent governor in their own party. Um, she uh, is trying to kind of differentiate herself from Rauner by uh, focusing on some of the uh, social uh, issues that Rauner has kind of gone left and that she wants to really kind of capitalize on the, the anger that Rauner's face has kind of created. How successful has Ives been in bringing up social issues against Rauner? Yeah, so uh, Ives ran a very controversial ad recently that kind of uh, blamed uh, Rauner for some of the uh, more uh, socially liberal um, stances that he took under his governorship. In, in the ad, it was it had a video of people, minorities and, and women, uh, discussing uh, things that they were thanking Rauner for, some of the policies that Ives felt benefited them that would be bad for the state of Illinois. And so she's been kind of using that ad to kind of rally the base, uh, so to speak. So that might be an issue for him, uh, but certainly uh, with Rauner taking some of the stances that he makes himself much more palatable to kind of urban voters in Chicago. What about on the other side of the race? Who's on the ballot for the Democratic gubernatorial primary? Sure. So there's three kind of main candidates and also a lot of other uh, challengers, so it's a very uh, populated field. The first candidate is uh, J.B. Prisker. So he's been uh, involved in Illinois politics and national politics. Uh, He worked on the Obama campaigns and with the Clinton campaigns, was a major donor to them and did organizing work for them. He's also heir to the Hyatt Hotel Group, so he's a very wealthy individual who's certainly uh, created a very large uh, campaign finance space for himself. And then he also uh, runs the Pritzker Foundation. He's donated to things on school, uh, on the the UChicago campus, like the Pritzker Fellows at the Institute of Politics or the Pritzker Medical School. Those are all coming from his foundation, his family. So he's very kind of financially uh, strong. Um, There's also Daniel Biss. So he's a state senator. He used to be a professor at UChicago and he taught math. Then there's also Chris Kennedy. He was the former chair of the University of Illinois Board of Trustees. And then also, um, you know, part of the Kennedy family going back to President John F. Kennedy. And then finally, there's three other kind of lesser known candidates uh, who are in the mix and include Bob Daler, the Madison County uh, Regional Superintendent of Schools, Tio Hardiman, uh, director of Ceasefire, a uh, nonprofit that focuses on reducing violence in urban Chicago. And then Robert Marshall, a physician who uh, did a lot of medical research at Harvard and then also worked on the Obama campaign. You mentioned J.B. Pritzker as possibly the front runner in this race, and he spent a lot of his his fortune on advertising. What kind of issues has he been taking up in those ads? So, so some of the recent ads, uh, I'm sure everyone's seen these because they're literally everywhere. One of the recent ads, he focused a lot on education. So, uh, the, probably the most played one was. Uh, uh, speaking to how his foundation donated to schools and had to how he like saved like um, X number of children um, or gave them a kind of a better educational opportunity. And some of the others include uh, a controversial ad. Well, one of the ads that was kind of ran against him from Rauner was uh, a tape of him making potential financial negotiations between former Governor Radogoyevich and over Obama's empty Senate seat. Yeah, let's get into this tape a little bit more. Yeah. So what's the story behind it? When Obama vacated his Senate seat to run for the presidency, the former Governor uh, there were allegations that there was some corruption in the way that uh, that process of filling Obama's seat was handled. And the particular tape that is now being advertised uh, on Illinois Airways has a recording of former Governor Rob Boevich and Pritzker discussing potential arrangements for Pritzker to either be the state treasurer or the state attorney because Lisa Madigan would somehow fill Obama's seat. So there's a discussion about how that would occur. It included potential payments, and of course that is sparking a lot of controversy for Pritzker and kind of creating a challenge for him politically as he moves forward in the campaign. Both Rauner and Pritzker, the candidates who are 
more moderate and perhaps more expected to win, are facing legitimate challenges from Ives and Biss candidates who are tending towards the polls on either side of our political system. This question is for anyone. Do you see this as an indicator of polarization in Illinois like we're seeing throughout the country? I think in some ways it's less about polarization and more about like frustration with corruption and high taxes and a sense of government not working for people. And I think that's sort of why, like, the gravitation away, at least from Pritzker to Biss, because, like, there is, like, a point of view that says Pritzker is just, like, another multimillionaire, another billionaire who's, like, is too close to this corruption. And then with Rauner, on the other hand, I think it's more of, like, the very conservative base of the Republican Party in Illinois. And that kind of explains Ives' ads, um, as well as, on the other hand, the sort of frustration with with politics and waste and high taxes kind of explains Biss's emphasis on like his sort of working class, like I'm not a millionaire, I, I, pl- I pay property taxes that are too high as well, right? I, I feel like Biss in, in some ways is presenting himself as a person who kind of understands that and is trying to channel that in the election. I think um, also that what I've never seen before is candidates having a, a section on the website that is devoted to resisting the president. Right, so for instance, uh, Biss has a, when you go on the issues page of his uh, campaign website, he has a list of strategies of how to resist Trump, right? And I think certainly that there's a lot of spillover from the federal polarization that is affecting the state uh, elections and governor races and politics in general now uh, that, you know, you hadn't seen previous presidential administrations um, for Obama or Bush or, you know, people from either party. So the Democratic gubernatorial candidates are coming to Chicago for a forum on March 1st. What kind of topics will you be watching for at that event? I think one thing that's probably bound to come up, especially given the location, is you know violence in the city of Chicago, you know, crime and safety in the area, especially as the national dialogue turns more towards gun control. And so I'd look to see a connection between the kinds of policies that governor candidates are looking at in response to these national problems and how they can apply those kinds of policies to the gun violence and to the crime that we've seen in the city of Chicago. So I think the location in Hyde Park could really make that um, a focal piece of their discussion. I, I think another issue that might come up, especially with them being at a college campus, is the issue of education. Senator Biss has introduced one of his campaign platforms as free college. I don't believe Pritzker uh, went as far as saying that he, like, he will try to grant free college for everyone, but he certainly cares about kind of student debt and those sorts of things. Um, and so the issues like that might come up where there's kind of a, you know, certainly a lot of debate of, on both sides with how to deal with education, and especially with all the issues that a CPS, you know, Chicago Public Schools have. I think another thing which is semi-related to what Alex was saying about <clears throat> gun violence and crime is that it's known that violence and crime are very much related to income level and poverty. And even in the city of Chicago, you can see, like, there's a massive discrepancy between wealth in various parts of the city. So I think something which would come up would be how they would try to fix this through maybe taxes or more social services to make sure that even when people are economically disadvantaged and not subject to, like, crime and violence. Great. Well, thank you all for coming in. This has been very informative, and uh, we'll watch out for that debate on March 1st. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.